Welcome to the Chiropractors Association of Australia podcast. The CAA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. Hosted by Dr. Anthony Coxon, these podcasts explore the science, art, philosophy and politics of chiropractic, as well as the latest research and how chiropractors can strive for excellence in practice. In our last podcast, we were talking about the brain, pain, and the jaw, head, and face with Dr. Paul Noon. Paul covered the neurology side of this equation, in particular, the topic of central sensitization. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that podcast, please go back and have a listen. It was terrific. Today is part two of the podcast, and we're going to get a little bit more into the application side of things, particularly with a greater understanding of the physiology of the TMJ and techniques that might be helpful for TMJ disorders. Now, this podcast coincides, of course, with uh, a seminar presented by these two gentlemen, Dr. Paul Noon, uh, in the last uh, podcast, and in today's podcast will be Dr. Russell Mottram. Uh, Russell's a very experienced chiropractor who collaborates closely with dentists uh, to help people with uh, TMD. Uh, in addition to being a busy practitioner, Russell also lectures at RMIT University on the diagnosis and management of temporomandibular disorders. Hi Russ and uh, welcome to the CA podcast. Hi Anthony. Now we heard from Paul uh, last week um, a little bit about how you uh, got to know each other. Um, perhaps give your side of the story here. How did the two of you guys come to collaborate and put this seminar together? Well I had to wipe the smile off my face, Anthony, because actually Paul was responsible for introducing me to my wife. Oh wow! Uh, initially, yes, he he was actually uh, living in a house uh, with a. Well, he wasn't living in a house. He was going out with a girl who was uh, living in the same house as uh, as my w future wife. And um, he invited all his single Cairo friends to a party, and she invited all her single uh, friends to the same party. And so, uh, yeah, <laughs> he was actually responsible for his meeting. So we were in the same year at university. Uh, we've uh, known each other a very long time, and as relationships do, they wax and wane with Paul going to Ireland and uh, me going to Western Australia for a while. And But uh, funnily enough, it's ended up that I'm uh, I'm – since I've been, uh, I lived in Hawthorne for many years, but uh, the last few years I've actually uh, moved to Hampton and I actually live only two doors away from Paul. So oh my how's that for uh, nepotistic and being a little yeah. bit too close for comfort? But uh, uh, over the years, obviously, I've collaborated with Paul and um, on a lot of things and, I, and I've been to many seminars that Paul's provided uh, and uh, I understand and, and appreciate his uh, expertise in the area of functional neurology and um, like a lot of uh, areas of, uh, of our profession these days, old mechanistic paradigms are being reinterpreted in the light of uh, more up-to-date uh, neurological understanding. and. Um, TMD is one of those uh, conditions that's uh, overrepresented in uh, conditions that have or are thought to have central sensitization and central components to uh, to the pain syndromes that people have. So when it came to deciding what we would do in terms of trying to educate uh, other chiropractors or manual therapists about this topic, 
uh, it seemed that we were just um, destined to uh, to be bedfellows once again uh, because he had the expertise in the neurological, brain function, uh, clinical neuroscience side. My area of expertise was in the, uh, and is in the, um, um, area of uh, mechanical, biomechanical analysis and treatment of the cranio, uh, cervicocranio-mandibular occlusal com uh, complex. So I said to Paul when we interviewed him last time that uh, the combination of the two of you is like a, a marriage made in heaven, but uh, that wasn't your wife calling just there saying enough of the relationship. What about what about us, was it? <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I actually turned my mobile off, but this is my clinic phone. Sorry. Oh, no, right. Sorry about that. No problems. Uh, just, there you go, I'm folks. Just it's put this in another room. Hold on. This is what this is what a live podcast uh, sounds like. Just in case you you were wondering. So um, obviously, um, you know, Paul's done all his uh, welcome back. Paul's done all his uh, stuff with uh, neurology. You've done uh, have an expertise in TMJ. How did you develop that expertise? What what sort of attracted you to that part of the body? Uh, well. I think I've spoken to you before, um, Anthony, that a lot of people get involved in various specialities and subspecialities through various interests. And um, my own interest in this area was piqued, uh, as it is by a lot of people, with their own personal experience, their own personal health experience. And uh, back in my early 30s, I, I developed a a condition, um, Guillain-Barre, uh, and uh, I'm sure uh, all your listeners out there can remember back to uh, to university days and and know that that's a, a uh, thought to be a autoimmune demyelinating condition, peripheral neuropathy, and um, and one of the major uh, symptoms that I had was complete cranial nerve seven, facial nerve palsy, um, which went on indefinitely until actually I ended up uh, uh, at the door of an old uh, colleague, uh, Dr. Frank Pedrick, and uh, I don't know whether you remember Frank, but Frank, a, yep. he's a very interesting uh, guy. He actually uh, started chiropractic uh, at the age of 55 after a, a, a very distinguished career in the Air Force. And um, one of the areas that, uh, that he had a lot of interest in was in um, – uh, the articulations and myofascia of the skull. Yes, indeed. Uh, and um, uh, within three treatments of having seen Frank, my cranial nerve seven palsy had improved by about seventy percent. So, wow. I was I was pretty impressed by that, <laughs> and um, so undertook some courses with him and and others in 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 the cranial area. Um, one of my my old friend's uh, father was a, a dentist who also had a a lot of interest in uh, in TMD and the treatment of TMD and and he introduced me to um, a chiropractor from the United States called Bob Walker who had a a system uh, of treatment called chirodontics which was a holistic way of looking at um, whole body mechanics. Uh, cranial uh, sutural mechanics, uh, temporomandibular joint and, and occlusal uh, factors. And he, uh, he, he used to run courses. And so back in the 90s, for a number of years, I did these courses. And at these courses, I actually met a lot of dentists. Yes. 
Um, and uh, these dentists were all interested in in treating TMD just as I uh, am. And uh, so for a number of years, I, I actually would fly down to Tasmania every month and work for a, a few days in the practices of a couple of dentists that I knew from down there and developed some collaborative relationships with uh, with dentists here in in Melbourne and uh, interstate and uh, yeah so that's kind of how it all came about. Now I understand that um, and Paul alluded a little bit to this in our last conversation but how it's a whole body approach to, to TMD not just looking at uh, the articulations and the immediate musculature. How is your approach to these sorts of things uh, different than, than that type of approach? Well look um I wouldn't call my approach unique. Uh, I'd, I'd, maybe I'd use the words comprehensive, uh, holistic. Um, like we wouldn't be chiropractors, Anthony, if we didn't uh, look holistically at the way that people function. Yes. Uh, you and I all know, and all your listeners would know that uh, you know if someone comes in with a uh, a neck uh, problem, that uh, sometimes that can be related to. Uh, poor posture ultimately stemming from uh, subtalar pronation in their in their feet or some sort of pelvic imbalance etc cetera, etc cetera. and um, it's not only uh, a view that's held within chiropractic but um, all manual therapy approaches to TMD hold this view that you cannot uh, adequately assess and treat uh, temporomandibular disorders of a complex nature. I mean, sometimes it is just simply uh, a local muscle problem or something like that. But most of the time when people come in and seek your treatment for TMD, it's it's a chronic problem or at least subacute. And um, uh, everyone in this field, and I've never, never constrained myself to... Uh, to studying only within uh, the boundaries of our chiropractic profession. Uh, a lot of the the areas or the people that work with TMD a lot come from uh, our uh, colleagues in osteopathy and physiotherapy and uh, dentistry. A lot of the seminars and the organization I belong to, which is the American Academy of Craniofacial Pain. It's a multidisciplinary type of uh, approach and we all realize that uh, the manual therapist, the psychologist, the neurologist, the um, even um, uh, pharmacology from time to time, as well as the dentist, all have their part to play in managing these sorts of patients. And it's a matter of correct diagnosis, thorough diagnosis to determine um, what's the actual cause of the problem and often, often it's multifactorial so your your treatment therefore has to be multimodal mm. uh, and so over the years I've developed a, a very much a, a multidisciplinary approach got a good network I'm constantly looking to expand my ne network of, uh, of others who who are helpful uh, at times uh, if uh, if that's necessary so um, I suppose if I if I had a claim to being uh, different, it would be in that I um, <laughs> have searched far and wide over the 30 years that I've been involved in this area and uh, 
put together approaches that uh, that draw from a pool of knowledge which is uh, not just uh, found in one profession, but um, very open-minded in in this area, and find that you know most people in in dealing with complex health issues um, are equally open-minded and and happy to collaborate. Speaking of collaboration and that multimodal approach, obviously uh, the relationship with a dentist is an imperative one. Uh, what do you find that the dental role is here with TMD? Is it about sort of making occlusal plates uh, and braces and so forth? What, what, what's typically are you referring to the dentist for? Sure. Look, fortunately, the dentists that I'm involved with are enlightened individuals. And all the research says that heroic, large-scale, orthodontic-type approaches uh, as well as things like equilibration, which are you know uh, scenarios where you grind the teeth down in certain positions to try and change the bite, etc. That these kind of um, permanent type approaches, whilst sometimes uh, being something that may end up being required, they're not the first line of management of most. TMD or head and face pain type patients. Simply because it is such a complex area, um, it behooves us as practitioners to kind of tread warily and and move into treating this area with caution. So we tend to start off, uh, and the dentists that I work with tend to start off with approaches that are uh, easily reversible, like for instance, the appliances. If if, if we're finding that, that a patient actually needs an appliance, and not all patients with TMD need dental appliances, in fact, you know, it's only um, you know, a percentage, they, um, they, the dentists that I work with, uh, we use uh, simple, small type, scale type appliances to try and temporarily change uh, the occlusion if it's required. Um, in order to test the waters of how the patient's going to react, et cetera, et cetera. And as, as Paul would have mentioned to you, that the trigeminal system is so powerfully hooked in there to the mesencephalon that uh, in patients that are sensitised in their brainstem, uh, you start to use large-scale, heavy-handed type of an approach with them and uh, it, it can actually um, upset them to a, a, an extent where you may not see them again and yes. or it may actually um, uh, contribute to their problem rather than, than fix it. So the dentists that I work with, we, we start off with uh, very conservatively with uh, small scale uh, removable appliances, often just maybe a little build up on a tooth uh, to change a bite. Um, certainly plates uh, in the roof of the mouth sometimes to try and develop uh, the the arch a little, um, this sort of thing. And then, I mean, ultimately, uh, there are patients that have required large-scale occlusal reconstruction. Fortunately, they're only a small percentage and uh, that's expensive. 
it's uh, inconvenient for the patients to have to have uh, a lot of hardware inside their mouth, uh, etc. So, um, yeah, we very much start off conservatively and, and only take the next step if, if uh, you know, we're exhausting uh, the, the sort of more low-tech, low-scale, least expensive kind of uh, ways that we can deal with this. And I think I've said to you before, a lot of the things that we we do with uh, treating TMD uh, are very low-tech uh, and they're around things like just very simple exercises and cognitive behavioural therapy, looking at uh, awareness around clenching and bracing of the jaws and uh, as as Paul would have mentioned, uh, you know, management of clenching is sometimes uh, addressing the nervous system directly in order to uh, to try and affect the uh, trigeminal output from the uh, the mesencephalon, which might actually be driving an unconscious type of clenching and grinding that sort of thing. So, so I know from uh, that it's a fact that your seminar that you and Paul will be putting together is very much hands-on. It's very much mm. in the style of the old technique uh, classes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll spend a lot more time over a, a treatment table than, than sitting at a desk. Uh, yeah. And I know these two questions I'm going to ask you are almost a little bit unfair over a podcast uh, because it perhaps oversimplifies the context um, uh, of, uh, of how these would be applied. But perhaps... Can you give us a little bit of an insight and maybe just a, 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 a bit of an idea about what maybe common assessment that you might do uh, with uh, evaluating someone with TMD? Mm. Okay. Um, obviously, uh, I actually quite commonly when I'm talking about TMD draw an analogy with the glenohumeral joint. Um, believe it or not, our dentists actually call the uh, articular fossa of the uh, the temporomandibular joint the glenoid fossa. Right. Uh, it's, an, it's an old uh, terminology that they use, largely because none of them ever really looked below the the, the cervical spine, so um, uh, they didn't weren't getting confused with with shoulder joints. Um, but uh, uh, when we uh, look at assessing the biomechanics of the temporomandibular joint, uh, it's not all that different than what we would do to assess any any joint in the body, particularly say the glenohumeral joint. Um, one of the uh, the major tools that I use is uh, uh, simply a uh, a joint play passive um, testing, where we have the patient supine. Uh, we're inserting our gloved finger and, and actually grasping the mandible and and just using uh, a variety of um, joint play movements, which are non-physiological in the sense that the patients can't actually do those movements themselves. But they're testing uh, joint capsule, uh, ligaments around the joint, um, et cetera, et cetera. And these are... Um, uh, obviously, whilst we're doing this, we're asking the patient about uh, whether they're experiencing pain. So we're trying to determine whether this problem is actually an articular problem with the joint or whether it's a, a myofascial problem, just like we do muscle testing in the shoulder and various other tests to try and determine if this is an arthrogenous causality or whether it's a, mainly a myogenous problem. Uh, and like most parts of the 
the human body. It's not usually simple. Often it's a combination of those things. So joint joint play passive mobilization. We also do another technique, which is actually uh, a technique that I learned from um, one of the gurus of TMD, a Chilean professor, Dr. Mariano Rocabado, who I've had the uh, the fortune to to hear lecture and do courses with him. Um, several times over the years, and um, he does a, a very specific type of uh, what he calls pain mapping, where there are eight specific points around the temporomandibular joint that when you are doing joint play palpation, you very specifically seek to elicit whether these points are tender, and this gives you uh, a great deal of information about the structures of the joint and what might be uh, causing the patient's discomfort, and therefore um, these things then lead on to um, uh, giving you ideas about where and how you might need to apply some sort of therapy. So just to be clear, when you're doing that joint play, with you've got a gloved hand, mm-hmm. index finger inside the mouth on the medial aspect of the mandible, thumb... No, no, the thumb... Go ahead. Okay, the thumb is inside the uh, the jaw on the actual occlusal surface. So you can imagine uh, you're sitting uh, above the patient, uh, cephalad and slightly lateral to the patient. Yes. The patient's lying there. You're inserting your cordad hand uh, such that your thumb is actually along the uh, the entire mandibular row of teeth yes. on the on, on the contralateral side yep. um, um, with your thumb on the actual uh, occlusal biting surfaces. Some people have got quite sharp teeth, but yes. uh, it's it's usually manageable. It's the sort of sacrifice we need to make for our patients. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and, uh, and then you're actually grasping the... The mandible with your um, your the rest of your hands. Right. Uh, so I have the index finger on the external side of the patient, or outside the the mouth on the actual ramus and angle of the jaw. So I've got a real control over yes. the passive movement of that jaw, yep. and I'm stabilising the cranium with my cephalad hand, yep. and then I'm I'm able to then move the the mandibular the temporomandibular joint the condyle in various positions of gapping the joint inferiorly, moving it from lateral to medial, medial to lateral, etc. to uh, to gain that information about uh, the amount of joint play, whether those uh, capsular structure all elements are uh, sources of discomfort when we uh, just like we were doing if we were doing a facet joint yes. or something yeah. like that in the spine you know and is this typically the sort of test that post some sort of care um, in most cases the practitioner or the patient will notice a difference when we do this test again absolutely yeah. uh, if if that elicits positive signs then our treatment is targeted at relieving those things. And uh, if if our treatment is successful, which hopefully in many cases it will be, then this is definitely, uh, you, you'll find a, an increased joint play, uh, diminishment of symptoms in the process. Um, yeah, so it, it's, it's definitely a one of many evaluation tools that I use. Okay, so now let's talk about take-home exercises and let's maybe give the example of the, the bruxinator, maybe anxious, nervous, 
grinds mm. their teeth. You know, mm. you're going you're gonna to perform your, your therapy, which hopefully will be very helpful, but clearly this is someone who needs to be uh, working on this at home. What's, what's a common exercise sure. you might give someone like that? Well, um, probably one of the things that's, that's good to talk about is not so much an exercise. Well, I suppose it's an awareness exercise as such. It's more a little cognitive behavioural uh, awareness uh, thing that I talk about, which I call TTB, tongue, teeth and breathing. Okay. Uh, just like we would... Uh, instruct our patients if they had round-shouldered thoracic kyphosis and forward head posture. Um, there are ways that we can encourage our patients to have better what we call mandibular rest position or, or jaw mandibular posture. Um, that starts with, with instruction about the sort of things that I just said before about forward head posture and, and upper back uh, roundedness, um, shoulder rotation, etc., etc. That that classic round-shouldered uh, computer type of thing. So it starts off. We we talk about that, and, I'll, and we all know as chiropractors and manual therapists how to how to talk to our patients about improving that. But then I go on to talk about what's called TTB, tongue, teeth, and breathing, because when in your daily life your jaw is relaxed, your teeth actually shouldn't be touching. Uh, so people often are surprised at that because um, if you do take notice, uh, it's quite common for our teeth to be touching. And even if you don't feel like you are clenching, if your teeth are touching, you are holding tension in your jaw. So the first thing is to actually try to separate the teeth slightly uh, because when you are normally relaxed, your teeth should be slightly apart. Your tongue... Um, should sit gently in the roof of your mouth in what I call the N position. N. I get my patients to say the word nice. The N part of nice uh, is where the tongue should gently be sitting when the jaw is relaxed. And that uh, tongue gently in the roof of the mouth is not an abnormal position. It's actually the normal position your tongue should be in a normal breathing uh, occlusal pattern. Um, and when it's up there, uh, and your listeners can try it if they want to, if your tongue is gently in the roof of the mouth, it's actually impossible to breathe through your mouth. You actually mm -hmm. have to breathe through your nose. It, it blocks off your mouth breathing um, pattern, uh, which mouth breathing is actually one of the reasons why people have poor tongue posture because uh, if you're breathing through your mouth and you have poor lip seal then your tongue has to sit in the mandible it has to sit in the bottom of your mouth and when the tongue's sitting in the bottom of your mouth and you're breathing through your mouth uh, then the mandible has a tendency to posture backwards uh, whereas when the tongue is in the roof of the mouth the mandible postures slightly more forward and this decompresses the temporomandibular joints. Behind the condyle in the temporomandibular joints, there's a zone called the bilaminar zone, which has uh, a lot of nerve endings and blood vessels, etc. And one of the biggest reasons why people get jaw problems is because they habitually clench, grind or posture via mouth breathing and other uh, mechanisms. They posture their mandible posterior, so the condyle sits up and back in the fossa. 
uh, and this is irritative for the jaw joint. So that teeth apart, tongue gently in the roof of the mouth, lips sealed, breathing gently through your nose is just a little awareness exercise that I give virtually all my patients. Uh, and to try, I try and encourage them to be as aware of that during their daytime as they can, particularly if they're making an effort concentrating on something. It's amazing how many times you will uh, not only notice your shoulders up around your ears with that upper trap tension, but you'll notice that your teeth are touching and you're, you're holding tension through your jaw. That, Russell, that is absolutely awesome advice. I think you're going to find there are a lot of chiropractors out there now talking about mandibular posture. That sort of, I think that's a bit of a, a switch in, in in of itself. But uh, that yeah. teeth, tongue, breathing. Um, that's that I'm going to be using that. I reckon in about half a dozen patients just this afternoon. Yeah, um, well, one of my one of my uh, areas of expertise or extra study that I've done is is, is I'm a trained orofacial myologist, which is actually a a new emerging field in, in the area of looking at uh, breathing, swallowing, uh, tongue positions in often in children, uh, etc. And um, uh, this is an area that we're bringing a lot into the sort of work that we do now, getting children when they're younger uh, and trying to improve their their breathing patterns, their their tongue posture, their swallowing, um, etc. And uh, this can have big impact upon not only their their jaws and their the development of their dental occlusion, but also on their brains. Paul will tell you that, okay? Mm. Huge connections between uh, tongue posture, tongue position, breathing, uh, stomachnathic uh, proprioception and, and brain development. Uh, look, it's always an absolute pleasure to chat with you, Russell, and, and thank you so much for your time today. That's a pleasure, Anthony. Uh, we've got a lot out of that and really good, juicy, practical stuff. So that's terrific. If you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to know more, and why wouldn't you, um, both uh, Dr. Russell Mottram and Dr. Paul Noom will be putting on their two-day seminar, The Brain, Pain, and the Joy, Head and Face, uh, to make bookings for the Melbourne seminar, which is the 6th and 7th of May. All you need to do is to go to tmjcare.com.au au forward slash courses i'll just say that again tmjcare.com.au forward slash courses and that link will be on this uh, podcast sent out to everyone um, with the podcast today so that's uh, it for me thanks for listening go forward with passion and purpose and i look forward to chatting with you again on our next caa podcast